Hi, we're Emily and Mel, licensed estheticians and co-founders of The Skin Distillery. Welcome to The Lounge, a show about two SD besties who will have a cocktail or two and converse about their journey in the treatment room. We're hoping our experiences can make you laugh, relate, or educate you on something you didn't know. Today's episode is a fun one. Yeah, we have a special guest with we us do. today. And who is that, Mel? We are going to be interviewing Hunter Danya, who yes. is a hairstylist educator. Um, he specializes in teaching you how to set boundaries that grow your business by automating and elevating your client experience. So it's all about boundaries today with Hunter and just you know, I think all of us kind of deal with like not having great boundaries and then having burnout and it affects our business. Exactly. And if there's one thing that I am passionate about, it is boundaries. <laughs> so, I, is. so I'm so excited to have him on today's episode and to just pick his brain a little bit and hear more of his thoughts and how he does his business. And it's going to be really good. Yeah. So here we go. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Mel and Emily here with the Skin Distillery. Whoop, whoop. Um, today we have a special guest with us. Um, we are staring at him right now via Zoom and I'm super pumped. He has the most fabulous background. It's like a rave for a Friday. Um, <laughs> his name is Hunter Donia, Donia and he, you might know from social media, is Hair by Hunty and we are so excited to have him on here today. And before we start our episode, we always like to have a cocktail, mocktail, or some sort of alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic beverage. Or coffee. Sometimes we do coffee too. Not on a Friday. No. We're doing <laughs> we're doing alcohol today. Yes. So the drink today is called the Finnish Long Drink. Yeah. Is this actually from Finland? Yes. Um, there's a whole history about it. It was like created in 1952. There was some shortage of something and a world series of something, and they did this drink. <laughs> Perfect. Great details. You're welcome. Um, so this drink has um a lot of citrus in it. Yeah. So if you're a citrus guy or gal or whatever, um, you might like this a lot. Yeah, it's bubbly. Um, it's got like a gin, juniper kind of flavor to it. Um, Hunter told me he likes vodka, Red Bulls, and Sprite. <laughs> So I said, this is the drink for him, the finished long drink. So um, let's all take a sip. Okay, um, Hunter has one it. also. Cheers. Welcome on, Hunter. Cheers. That's okay. good. I'm not mad about it. This is I'm good. not mad about it either. I think it's great. It's light. What? It's chill. It's a vibe. Do you feel like it tastes like um, a it's sweet from, tart? It's familiar. It has I feel a- like it. Okay, I don't know. I, I feel like it tastes like a ginger rail. Like that's like exactly what it tastes like. Oh, yeah. The aftertaste is definitely a ginger ale, but the right. yeah. is like it's, the grapefruit is strong initially, and then it's a ginger ale. Right, yeah. that's how I feel about it. Good, in, yeah, that's that's a good way to describe it. So I do like to know that this drink comes in two options. There's an eight point five percent, which is what I'm serving us, which is the stronger one. But yeah. they do have like a four percent if you want to be if you don't want to get like you know, fall over after. Oh, so y'all sent me the 8.5. I see. I see what y'all are trying to do to me here today. You're reading between the lines. We want to (laughs) build the tea today. (laughs) Getting you drunk. No, we're going to have fun. No, this is good. Okay. Well, this is a good drink. I'm not mad about it. And it's gluten free, guys. Oh, wow. A good GF trick. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, Hunter, thank you for being on today. We are super excited to have you here. I think you could help a lot of our listeners out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would love for you to kind of give us the backstory of Hunter, like 
you know, your journey and where you're at right now. Totally. So I'm going to give you the short. And then if you want the longer, then let me know. Because okay. we were talking a little bit before we like pressed record. And I was saying that I talk a lot. So like, just tell me this <laughs> stuff. So <clears throat> um, my name's Hunter Donia. I am in Pennsylvania. I'm like a little bit outside of Philadelphia. I was born and raised here. And I started as a hairstylist at the age of 15 years old when I went to vocational school. So I did half day high school, half day cosmetology school. That is unbelievable. What'd you say? That is unbelievable. Dude, I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm so grateful that that was a part of my life. And I'm very grateful and privileged that like I had the opportunity, you know, Um, a lot of vocational programs like either don't offer cosmetology at all, or they might have at one point, but right now, like I've seen a lot of them close down, which is just mm. such a shame because you give these kids these opportunities to like start their career so early, such as myself, and it just sets them up for so much success. And just vocational school in general, like is so, it's so um, uh, misunderstood and so stigmatized. And I have seen, especially people in my class, like just absolutely skyrocket their careers and be so much further ahead of, of my peers, um, because of that experience. And so I'm a big believer in vocational school, especially because of my own experience. And I was able to get my cosmetology license, uh, before I graduated high school. Wow. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take the opportunity to talk about this and then we can get back. But I, I have a client who's actually doing that. And that was the first time that I have ever heard of a high schooler being able to do that. And I am just blown away at that opportunity. But also I want to give you credit too, because not every 15 year old knows what they're going to be doing like that. And so your work ethic, it, I'm just shocked. That is incredible. So Thank continue. You. I just had to pause and just touch on that a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, so if y'all want the long, so like, like <laughs> going along with that, I think, yeah, I, I'm very privileged and grateful for the opportunity. And I'm also very privileged and grateful that I knew that that was something that I wanted to do from that young age. Cause like you said, the majority of kids, even when they're 18 and figuring out what they want to do when they graduate, have no idea what the hell is going on in their lives. And, and it's so scary. And they are pressured to make this crazy decision that's going to change their life. And I'm really, really grateful. But I think what brought me to the understanding that I really wanted to do this was I came out when I was in like seventh grade. <clears throat> and with coming out came me figuring out like what my identity was. And of course, I'm like going through puberty at the same time. And it's just figuring it all out. <laughs> And I started to express myself through wearing makeup, more feminine clothes and uh, coloring my hair. Like I colored my hair every other week, like awful box dye, like disgusting manic panic situations. Panic, panic. Dude, right? (laughs) Yes, we've all been. Um, And so I just had this natural love for being able to express who I was on the inside, on the outside. And I felt very validated in being able to do that. And I had a lot of, I had a little bit of a hard time fitting in, of course, like with, with what comes with all of that. Right. And when I, when I signed up for my vocational program, it was the first room that I walked into where I truly felt like celebrated and loved for exactly who I was and like what I was doing and, and how I was expressing myself. So to be able to give the that gift to other people, you know, um, help them feel really validated and beautiful on the inside and the outside has always been a massive passion of mine because of my own personal experience. And this industry has been a massive passion of mine because it's where I really feel felt 
like first included and first truly fully celebrated and uh, encouraged to be exactly who I was. So I started when I was young. I got my first job in a salon when I was, uh, it was on my 16th birthday was my first day. I was a general what? assistant there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were and a then baby. I, yeah, I know, a little baby. Uh, and I, I worked my way up through the ladder. And then once I graduated high school, I was basically like, doing hair and like right on the floor and like doing my damn thing. I got into brand education. So I educated for a brand for a little bit. I, I got a lot of experience with just teaching and, and all of that stuff through that. And then eventually um, got into my own salon suite. I absolutely did very, very well um, growing my salon suite business that I, that, yeah, I, I did really well with that. And then I started to share my knowledge and education with others of how I did the damn thing and how I do the damn thing. And um, that's what's gotten me to where I am today. I love it. It's like such an inspirational story. It's beautiful. Um, how many years, like, were you doing hair before you kind of shifted to start like educating people, like what you do now, um, with, like, setting boundaries and the pre-made templates and streamlining your business? Yes. So, um, I've been doing it 10 years now. I've had my education like full force about two. So it must've been like eight years, but you know, I consider like when I first got into my vocational program as like, as long as I've been in the industry, you know, because oh. especially cause I was in the salon and I was like, I was really motivated and I was actually doing hair at the time, even though I wasn't like officially doing it with the salon, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess probably like seven or eight years into the, into the career that I started. I love that. Did you find um it difficult to build clients trust being so young or did you have that trust right away that's a really good question you know what I don't think necessarily I had a problem with the clients with building trust I had much more of a difficult time with my coworkers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So because I started really young, um, I, th these women were probably all like mostly mid twenties, like mostly mid twenties, but they were all doing really well, like in their business. I was at a pretty high end salon. There was like 35 employees. Um, it was a big operation and, um, I just, I, I, they basically raised me like they really like, and I, and, and I, my parents were divorced at the time. Well, they're still divorced, but they got divorced. And I was actually living with my dad for no re reasons other than like location and stuff. And so like going to the salon, I had like all of these moms, like who, Aww. who cared about me and looked after me and like taught me all these things. And once it got time for me to like actually start doing hair, I had had so much education, I had so much passion, and I started educating at like 19 years old, which was like crazy. And I felt like at that point, it was hard to gain equal respect from like these women who have like, literally like raised me since I was like 16 years old. And that was really difficult for me. It was a very hard place to be. And I didn't feel like I gained, I had the equal respect and I didn't feel like I was being acknowledged for all of the things that I was doing. And that was difficult for me. It wasn't necessarily with the clients. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So mm -hmm. now like what you focus on, which is like, can I just say, I was listening to the independent stylist and that's how I found you. And I was like, who the fuck is this gem? He is hilarious. Yeah. Mel sends me. She's like, we I was have like, to have him on our podcast. Yeah. Okay. Literally immediately was like, we need this person on our podcast. Yeah. He is such a good ball of energy. And also like, I was, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a very type A personality and pretty proactive. And mm -hmm. I come from a business background before I shifted into the beauty industry and 
um, I was like, I'm feeling inspired and motivated by him. And he's like 10 years younger than me. And he just Mm -hmm. feels like so on top of his shit. And like, it's re-inspiring me to be better. And so, um, some of the things that I really took away from that interview with, um, the independent stylist was kind of about the boundaries. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk a little bit more about that with you, like yeah, your philosophy with it and kind of how you like set that up. Um, mm-hmm. I've listened to a handful of your episodes about it, but if you could break that down to like more of our listeners, I would say other beauty yeah. professionals, estheticians, mm-hmm. hairstylists, et cetera, of like setting boundaries, because if you don't, you're going to have burnout. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not show it. And I really appreciate those kind words. Thank you so much for considering me to be on here. I'm very excited about it. So, so basically, so like I said, I got into a salon suite and I like grew really fast. Like mm-hmm. I started my salon suite in the middle of a pandemic and um, I took a massive leap. I actually had moved out to like the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania to live with this man who I had since broke up, broken up with. Um, we've all been there and I, (laughs) and, um, so I was building my clientele from scratch in a different, uh, you know, team-based salon and it was absolutely a very slow growth and it was really painful until pandemic hit. And then I opened up my own suite, took a big chance and then exploded my business. Like I was like three and a half months book solid, five new guest requests a week. It was absolutely insane. And then it was probably like six months into that journey where I was working my ass off, like working my actual ass off, like coming in early, staying late all my days off to fit in all of these clients that I was getting requests for. (laughs) I was doing all of my marketing. I was elevating my client experience. I was taking education. I was deep cleaning the suite. I was doing my inventory. Like it is no joke, especially when you're operating on that different level, right? Like when you're somebody who is a motivated beauty professional and business owner who understands that there are more responsibilities than just doing the hair. If you really want to make a great living, then it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, we're, I feel like we're in that, that daily grind right now. Like we're living. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it was like my six month mark and I had been working so freaking hard to get this up and running. And like, I had such a scarcity mindset because I had gone from like zero to 100 and I went from being in a team base to like being by myself. So I was taking any and all clients. I was squeezing everybody in and I hit this point where I was like, how in the hell is this going to be a long-term sustainable career for me? Mm -hmm. I just couldn't see it. Like I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, is this supposed to be like how it is going to be forever? If I want to maintain this level of success and income, like it just didn't make sense to me. And I had gone through like the price increases. Like I had done the things that like you're supposed to do when you're super overwhelmed and booked and booked and busy. Were you starting to get uh, resentful a little bit too? 100%. And I would go home and I would have (laughs) zero energy and it was just painful. And Um, and I hit this wall where I was like, I need to make some really big radical shifts, or I don't know if this is going to be the right career path for me. Mm -hmm. And we live in this world world where like, if you're crazy booked and busy and you're stressed out and you're zooming and like going crazy all the time where you get celebrated by people. Like, so my clients would come in and they would ask me how I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm really stressed out and I'm crazy busy. And they're like, oh, that's really great. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I want to die. You know, and so I would just, so it'd feel, it would feel like, it would feel so ostracizing and I felt so like alone and just overwhelmed and stressed out. And I didn't know 
what to do about it until I started to just like think really outside of the box about like how I should go about running my business. Like Mm -hmm. I was having really great conversations with other people in the industry. And I was just, just like collaborating with ideas and leaning into my own like love for technology as well too. And just, just exploring the options of like how I could go about restructuring things for me to make things make more sense. And I implemented a shit ton of systems into my business that held me accountable to boundaries that didn't that didn't allow me to break my own boundaries. They didn't allow me to say yes when I really wanted to say no. And we were talking a little bit about ha- having ADHD earlier. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I was like, can you just tell me what you told me earlier that yes. Hunter is a okay. combination so of So listening to your podcast, Hunter, I, I walked in and I was like, Mel, he is like you and me in a male form. Yes. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, a male gay form. And I love him. I love him. I was like, he has your like business brain smarts and he has my ADHD like funky personality. Oh, I love that. And I'm like, I just relate because you don't, you hear about like creative people having, you know, different types of thinking and how they operate. But like, I really haven't heard a lot of people actually talk about how to run a business when you have ADHD. Yes. I feel like I'm losing my mind so often. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I have Mel because she gives me so much grace and she's such a sounding board for me, but I'm like, I relate to him. Like, Aww. it's so nice to hear somebody talk about that. Yes. It's no joke. <laughs> no, it's ADHD. not. And even if you are listening to this and maybe you are, you're not diagnosed with ADHD or you don't have it, even if you just have kind of like a squirrel brain, right? Like, or, (laughs) or maybe you're a creative and you got into this for the passion of it, but you didn't really realize that you were signing up to be like this business owner, right? It's really difficult to stay motivated and to stick within like strategic parameters that are going to get you to where you want to go. And hold yourself accountable and to the responsibilities that you have. So a common theme in my life, just having ADHD and going to therapy and trying to work on it has always been, I have to set up systems in my personal life that are going to support me in making decisions or uh, actually doing the damn thing for my personal life. Right. So like um, uh, making sure that I have like a calendar for my personal life, like I schedule like times that I'm going to do my daily chores, you know, um, I, I make sure that my phone is in like a completely different room when I go to bed. So that way I don't wake up and I just do a death scroll for like two hours before I get out of bed. Yes. You know, and those simple things, right. They're simple and they might sound a little stupid. Like I feel like a little bit like weird, like saying them quite honestly, cause it seems so simple, but they are transformative. And for people who have ADHD, these little systems, that's what they are. You're creating these systems. They can be absolutely life-changing. And so what I did was I was like, how, from learning that, right. And from helping my own personal life with that, I was like, how can I apply this to my business? And that's what I ended up doing. And we can break down like what those systems actually look like, but I'll take a pause right there. Wow. Hot damn. I was like, I do that phone trick because like, I'll even be like, I'm off my phone today. Like I usually at like eight, eight 30, mm-hmm. like set my phone, like in the living room and then I go into yes. my bedroom and read or something. You are really good about that. I feel like I'm I have really friends good. and clients texting me until all hours of the night. And I'm like, I got to stop. Yeah. Cause I got to right. go to bed. Cause if I don't go to sleep and I wake up tired, I'm shot. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So um, yeah. Systems. Tell us about these systems. Yeah. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Build a tea. 
<laughs> so the tea is here's the tea all right here's the tea I feel like in the, our beauty industry in general, I don't know if you guys feel it or not. I feel like over the past like two, three years since pandemic, <clears throat> we all had a lot of, I have never done a podcast drinking. It was a very uh, fascinating experience. I'm it's so much it. more fun, right? Yes, it is. But, but it is, but speaking of ADHD, it's going to be affecting me. So just corral me in. I mean, when, same. When you Mel, to. you're in charge of corralling. Oh God. <laughs> so Friday and I'm like, if we're feeling it, we're feeling it. True. Yeah, it is what it is. I love it. We're so, doing- so I don't know about you guys if you've if you've felt this shift or not, but I think ever since pandemic, I think there has been a kind of like I call it like a boundary awakening. Like I think that our our yes. beauty, the beauty industry in general, esthetician, nail techs, hairstylists, whatever it may be, we have we've been very we've become self aware of how much we've let ourselves be walked over so much uh, since the uh, starts of our careers and the constant toxic habits that we have that end up really making us miserable and and also um how much we don't respect ourselves and demand respect for our businesses I think that we've we've there's been a common conversation I feel like over the past two or three years Mm -hmm. and what I've seen happen with this is we've gone a little bit too far in that direction and and because we are just so fed up and we're so sick of things what ends up happening is is we're like okay cool like we're gonna set these boundaries and we're gonna like stop coming in early staying late on our days off we're gonna charge these cancellation fees like we're gonna charge these hoes everything we need to 100 (laughs) we're gonna raise our prices like a million dollars like all of this stuff right yeah which is great and i'm a strong proponent of obviously like that's what i teach but the danger of it is that if we go too far in the other direction, then we undermine our mission of elevating the perception of the professionalism of our industry and our jobs and our careers and our businesses. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's really in t- there's really um, strategic and proper ways to go about setting up systems that hold you accountable to boundaries that also create an excellent customer experience. Love that. Wow. Because I think we can set these boundaries and we don't do anything to necessarily like make it so that way it's done in a professional way that still is creating an elevated experience. And I, what I teach in the systems that I created for my own business, I believe, and I've seen have the best of both worlds where like you're offering this next level customer experience that justifies you charging high prices, but also holds you accountable to boundaries and doesn't allow you to step out of your, your box of, of, uh, how you want to show up and how you want to serve these people. I think, I think that's a really well way to word it. And I also think when people think, you know, so like so many people are solo now, you know, like they're in solo suites and are they're a solo entrepreneur in the beauty industry is like, you still have to be professional. And I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are not professional. And I obviously was in business and marketing for five years as an account executive. So I had to be very professional for five, like for a long time mm-hmm. before I switched. And so like, it's really ingrained in me and like getting back to people timely yep. manner and like sending a really well-worded email and like, but like a lot of people are just like, nope, I don't come in that day. And they're like really short ended and it just looks really sloppy and unprofessional. And like, yep. how can people take you seriously if you're going to just not be serious back, I guess. And I, I see like both ways. So Mm -hmm. like, that's where, can you give an example of like one of your system or templates that you created to help with that 
Absolutely. So we were talking a little bit about how like our clients will be texting us 24 seven, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll like not want to be on our phones 24 seven. Like we don't want to be communicating with our clients 24 seven. And that's kind of like my boundaries 101 is like streamlining your client communication. I think that that is what, what, what we spend the majority of our time doing outside of the salon a lot of the time that really drives us nuts and can also, like you said, be a make or break for some people as far as responding in a timely manner, right? So when we have digital uh, experiences in place where clients can get the answer on their own, where they can book and reschedule on their own, um, where they can do everything that they need to by themselves more conveniently than waiting for me to respond to them. That is when we can not be on our phones all the time. And we can really stick with within like these working hours of when we will respond um, uh, to our clients, right? Because then we're not jeopardizing that client experience by turning off our, our phones. You know, we're still offering that concierge do business with us whenever you're ready to do it with us. And we'll be here for you without you actually having to be the one who is physically humanly doing that, right? So it's, it's simple on the surface level, especially the, the conversations that majoritively happen most of the time when it comes to like online booking and stuff like that. Um, implementing online booking uh, is fantastic and great, but having it as like a fundamental foundational piece of your operations instead of some sort of like add on or like convenient option and like completely relying on your online booking to do all the work for you, I think is absolute and really optimizing it, I think is absolutely um, a massive secret and untapped potential that we have as business, as busy business owners mm -hmm. to be able to offer that same ex level of experience and convenience without having to be the one to do it all the time. So, so a couple different things with online booking. So number one, what are your guys' feelings? I would love to know what your guys' feelings of online booking is. I would really love to know. Okay. Complete honesty and transparency. So sure. We use Schedulicity, which I actually really love. Their booking um, system. It's pretty streamlined um, and all and everything for a backend. Like, I really like our booking system. I do too. Um, all of our clients book online. I don't take new clients right now. So new clients cannot book. It's only current clients. And then what I like to do for my clients that come in, like my regulars, I literally book them two months out. Like I do their next two appointments mm -hmm. because then they get their priority time slot. So then we also only have our books open 45 days out because it allows us to have a little bit more control. Because for me, I spiral a little bit if I'm like, oh my God, it's starting to fill up too much. And like, right. I still am planning mm -hmm. my personal life. I pers I know like, yeah, we could book out six months if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. I just mentally, I'm like, nope, that does not work for me. So like, I like to control, I like, so I will pre-book my clients, but I have like the time slots that they can book, you know, like, mm -hmm. and so I kind of have trained them, mm -hmm. but like what we'll do is like, beginning of February now, because like I have openings remaining from like whatever clients, I'll send an email saying like the books are open to current clients. Now like go ahead and book if they haven't seen me or whatever. So mm -hmm. I kind of control it, but it's a very like not stressful, easy option mm -hmm. for me. Right. right. And I, I do take new clients. And yeah. so, um, there are certain times where it does get a little bit dicey, but to Mel's point, I also make sure that my clients are like current clients are booking two months out. Yeah. Okay. So every other appointment they're booking a new appointment with me. Okay. Um, 
And I really love that it has the wait list option. Um, that's very helpful. That also eliminates yeah. some of the communication needed. Cancellation policies yeah. on there when they book. Yeah. So like emailing. They, so if, their cards on file. Yeah. So like if they do no show or cancel, we can still charge them. And it's kind yeah. of like, and then if their card doesn't run, we're just like, you're not allowed to come in for another appointment until this is paid. Yeah, so right. we're trying to be very, mm-hmm. we're trying to be better, right? I'm good at it. Emily's really good at boundaries. Yeah. I will still try to fit people in. So right. then I get to resentful because I'm working away longer days than they sh- originally should have. Okay. All right. I'm also greedy. Like I want the money. So <laughs> I, 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 think, I totally get it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it sounds like you guys are leveraging it, right? You guys yeah. are definitely leveraging online booking and you guys have systems in place like that 45 days out, like that does help you, right? With mm-hmm. with not being too overwhelmed with like your schedule and being able to have predictability in your personal life and all those yeah. good things. Yeah. So I love that. And to and the way that I approach it is is so you said that you like pre-booked your clients, right? Yeah. Um, and you're very systematic about it and you make sure that these people have these two, two people, two appointments out. Yeah. I, and I think that this could differ, this totally differs depending on your business, you know, I personally only online book. Okay. Which I love. I do too. Because yeah, I know why. And I'll let you. Why? Tell me why. Because (laughs) it allows you to not have to tell us like, it is uncomfortable sometimes when you're a person, they're like, well, what do you have? You're like, okay, I have openings this week of the 20th. And I'm yep. like, and then I'm, they're like, well, do you have any evening? And I don't have any fucking evening because yep. it's already booked up. But and we so, add it. Then I add it because uh-huh. I feel like guilty because nope. I have to say no. I do that almost every time someone asks. Exactly. And I am, and I was guilty of it too. Yeah. And I knew okay. that. And I knew that I cared so much about these people. I love these people. You have this face-to-face confrontation Mm -hmm. where you feel really obligated to like get this person back in. And so you will will always. Yes. Especially if they're a really loyal client and you genuinely like them. It's like, of course I'll come in early or I'll stay late. And then you're staying late and you're like, I'm getting home way later than I wanted to. I didn't bring lunch. I forgot it. You know, it's just like, it just escalates. Yeah. And so- yeah. Sure. So my, so like I said, like I had that like weird breaking point, right? So a, a story that I, I share a lot because it was a, it was one of my biggest like catalysts towards wanting to make these changes was I was totally sacrificing all of my time coming in early, staying late on my days off. And I had my, my one, my client, Anne, my, one of my clients, Anne, she is my, Anne. my right. And we love Anne. She's we like an you. ideal client. Love her so much. She does the, she gets the services that I want. She pays my prices. She's a fantastic person to have in. I school, I had, it was a Friday and I had already worked a full work week and I decided to squeeze Anne into the end of my Friday night because I love her. I wanted to see her and I, and she really wanted to get in mm-hmm. at that time. So ended up being a 12 hour work day for me. And I'm doing Anne's hair. She's my last client at the end of my day. And I'm doing Anne's hair. We're balayaging her as per usual. And we go to rinse her out. I put on her toner. And we were going for like a gold, like natural, like highlighted situation. Like it was like, that's all that it was going to be. And I'm like applying it. Everything's fine. And then I look down and it's turning purple. Oh, no. What? It's like literally turning purple. Like, I feel like that probably purple. doesn't fit Anne's aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> and does, does not fit Anne's aesthetic. It, it also does not fit her like corporate marketing job. So it um, does now, baby. <laughs> it's gonna have to. Shit, she's breaking the mold. So I go over to my my color station, like where I mix all my color, and I look at the tube that I grabbed, and I ended up grabbing an 
intense violet instead of a gold. It's Listen, like, go ahead. This just happened to me yesterday. Not with, not with hair. Not with hair, but with brow lamination. Mm-hmm. I used a conditioner instead of an actual lifter. <laughs> Nothing lifted. And guess who's going in today on her day off to exactly. fix it? Exactly. Me. Exactly. Okay, continue. I relate. So I, and so for like, with the way the color tubes work for anybody who's unfamiliar, like it was an eight, like I was supposed to grab an 8.3, but I grabbed an 8.2. So like, it was like a easy mistake to make kind of, but what I realized was everything was fine. I I fixed it. It was fine. Yeah. But what I realized was that I thought that I was doing and like this great favor by like coming in early and, or coming in late. Right. And staying late and, and squeezing her in and, and breaking my own boundaries to make her happy. When in reality, I actually just severely like screwed her, screwed her over because I screwed myself over. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's corny and everybody knows it, it but you can't fill from an empty cup. You cannot take care of anybody else unless you've taken care of yourself first. And with this, with the conversation about like booking people and and when you have that face-to-face confrontation, right. Um, you end up in the moment feeling like, okay, like I'll do it. It'll be fine. I've done it before. And then you get there and you're absolutely miserable. And then you end up becoming resentful or you don't show up with the same level of service that these clients deserve. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was like, how can I remove this confrontation? And I'm Gen Z. So like I grew up, like I'm like tail end of Gen Z, right? So like, I'm like, I kind of, I call myself a millennial and you know, these these Gen Zs, like there's totally anti-confrontation. Like they don't know how to have like a, like a real card conversation. And I have a little bit of that in me, although I can, I totally can. And I have, I'd rather not. So, yeah. uh, are you the so person I- that's like practicing what to say on the phone before they call the person? Cause they hate talking on the phone so much. Kind of, it depends. It depends on the conversation. It's just, I, I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. Okay. But I'd rather not. Yeah. yeah. No, I'd just I, rather yeah, not. I hate yeah. conversation as well. No, a hundred percent. So what I do is what I decided to do was online booking is my receptionist. Like that is my girl who I hire and I have no control over my schedule. Like the online booking says what I have and like, that is it. And so I don't pre-book in the chair um, at all. So for, for, as an alternative for anybody who isn't comfortable with that, maybe instead of not pre-booking like at all, maybe having them pre-book, but instead handing them an iPad with your online booking calendar. Ooh, so they, like that. So they then you don't have that. I love everything. that second option. Okay. Right? I, really, I really love that. Yep. Yeah. I'm the wheels are turning. Huh? <laughs> um, We're just getting started, girl. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. So then you've also used the term, like you're the CEO of your own business yes. and explain like, that was one thing that really hit to me because I feel like, it can get blended so badly. Like when you're self-employed, it's just like, it just flows into your personal life. Like I feel bad for my husband sometimes because he'll be like, what are you doing? And it's like seven, three at night. I'm like, I'm responding to a client. And he's just like, that was me at dinner yesterday with my family. Yeah. I was like, why are you on your phone? And I'm like, I'm dealing with a client. I was like, and then I'm Uh, irritable. Yes. And I, um, it's terrible. So let's talk about this like CEO kind of like the way that you have it worded and the way that you've described it. Um, I've heard you describe it before, like to our listeners, because I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. So I believe that you are not your business. Mm. There you go. Like repeat that one more time. time. One more time. You are not your business. (laughs) Um, As much as we 
and your business is also not your baby. <laughs> you uh, might have you might have like a real baby at home. <laughs> you know? That's your baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> as 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 much of a personal connection and emotional connection that we have to this thing that we've created, um, oftentimes what ends up happening is is that we rely on that for our emotional validation of our self-worth and, and it, 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 it that def- like the success of your business defines like your worth as a human being. Right. And what ends up happening is, is you end up sacrificing a shit ton of your personal life to make this business work really well. And I totally believe in short-term sacrifice for long-term yeah, yeah, gain. Yeah, and I, and I don't believe that you'll, there's ever going to be like this perfect time or space or systems that you have set up to where you'll never have to sacrifice or break some boundaries to keep things running as the world changes, as things, as, as uh, situations arise, et cetera, et cetera. However, what I do believe it's really important to practice is understanding the separation of you, your personal life and your business and understanding that you are stepping into a job of being the CEO of your business. And instead of thinking very emotionally about your decisions, instead of um, approaching your business from the same space that you would approach decisions in your personal life, I want you to approach those decisions and, and the things that you do in your business as the same way as any other Fortune 500 CEO would and how you as a freaking Fortune 500 CEO would because that is what every single one of us has inside of us with the right education and mindset. We all we all intuitively know what the right thing to do is, but oftentimes we let our emotions or our personal life or our mindset get in the way of showing up and making the decisions that we really actually need to make, although they're hard um, to, to make the business actually move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Mel just... and I just keep looking at each other. Like you hear that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. These are really hard lessons. These are really hard lessons, especially if it's in the beginning because you, or like if you're not where you want to go, or if you are a very highly motivated, passionate person around your business. I'm a nerd. I love my business so much. And partially that is because I look for validation in my business. I am extremely self-aware that I do place a lot of my, my worth and like how I feel like I'm doing in life based upon how my business is doing. But what I've had to really in the hard way realize is that like, this is, this is some, this is a tool. This is a part of my life that supports me in my personal life to live the life that I actually want to live in my own personal development. It's not like my entire identity, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, that definitely resonates really hard because I'm, I'm definitely a workaholic. I've definitely am always, but I mean, I think any entrepreneur, entrepreneur knows like successful entrepreneurs, you do, there are times when you do have to like, you have to sacrifice certain things to get where you want to be. Like we, we makeup artists for many, many years. That's how Emily and I met. And, you know, we, in the beginning, you have to do a bunch of like free stuff to show yeah, like totally. your skill. And it was you, grounded, ba- like pounded into our brain. Yeah, you have to always just, say yes. You say always yes, say, say yes, yes. Say yes. Because you might not have work for a while. Yep. And so, and I know actors and actresses a lot of times have that same mentality. I think it's a really, it's not a great place mentally to be. No. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, I mean, we were, but, sa- but with that, it's like you have put so much effort and so much time into building your business that it really does feel like your child. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I'm trying <laughs> this year is all about trying to find a little more balance. Um so my husband doesn't like hate me. <laughs> because, right. Well, and not like yeah. that way, but like I we have a very like, great relationship. He is the most supportive person ever. Um, but this week was really hard because we had like cancellations last week due to snowstorms. We had a like, closed studio. Mm. And so um this week was longer days because I had mm. to fit people in. Right. And so I was just cranky like every day. And I totally. Was, I'm sorry, I have not been a good version to you. All my clients have gotten me really nice, but you're getting like cranky, tired, hungry Mel. Yep. And so it I think it if what happens is if you overdo it, it runs into your personal life and it can affect a lot of your personal relationships. At the end of the day, what do you have in life? Right. It's those, like family, yes. those friends. The whole point of having this business is to yes. allow us to have those relationships and yeah. live our life to the fullest. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the point right. of mm-hmm. all of that short-term sacrifice for long-term gain? What is the point of the hard work and the learning that you've done? If not for like using it to create a life with the people who matter to you the most and even just yourself like I like I so I was in like a five-year relationship and I just broke up with him like a couple months ago and I to me like when I was building my business at the time I was like this is going to be for me and him like for like the long term Mm -hmm. of like our life together you know and like being able to do what we want and etc etc now that I'm single and like I and I'm going through like my whole like this whole personal development journey of like really just under like learning how to love myself and be and like really just me me be like selfish and be okay with like me being me creating this life for me right with no other person like it has been a really fascinating journey and and I think that there's nothing wrong with with however you you view what you're working for and and what you want to get out of it um but it's important to understand like that's the whole point like that's the whole point you're you've worked so hard up until this point you deserve to to take a little bit of time to yourself after all the hard work that you've put in and to reap actually reap the benefits of what you've done thus far um you know the world changes and there's a lot of uh with social media and the way and how fast we reach each other there's so such a um a feeling of instant gratification and urgency and the truth is is like you have so much time like we all have so much time and like Life is so short, yes. However, you still have the rest of your life mm-hmm. to cr- achieve the goals and dreams and to get back to your freaking client and all that shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. you'll be fine. Oh my word. <laughs> they're not going to die. No, they're not. Um, okay. So to transition just a little bit, um, I was listening to the episode where you were talking, or maybe it was just an Instagram post. I don't remember, but I know you've talked about it before where like, if a client no shows, it's your fault. And that I was like, it literally took my breath away. I was like, ouch. I know. I like triggered some people with that one. Yes. And so I would love for you to kind of like touch on that a little bit. And then um, also just like your policies, because I know you have um, a variety of policies, but maybe just like your three or like the top two policies that every beauty professional should like maybe implement in their business. Two or three. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of like two different things. Cause I don't like want to keep you hand. too long. Cause I feel like I probably have like 10 more minutes with you. Yeah. I don't want to like overset my boundaries. <laughs> Cause I, I, did can see her. Time, I did tell you a time limit. So I don't want to like, yeah. Well, 
I'm totally cool to chat as long as you guys want to. I'm having fun. The other day, well, Emily I'm... messed up brows, so she has to go back to the studio. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Tuesday, I literally was recording from ten to like five thirty p.m. Oh. and I and I was completely happy to do it. So oh, I'm totally. Wow. I love talking about this stuff. So, um, so this goes back to systems. So in the pandemic, um, I. Pennsylvania kind of required us to ask those like questions, right? Like the COVID, it was like, have you traveled? Do you yeah. have symptoms? Like all that shit, right? And I was like, this is like so annoying that I have, I, I I took it very seriously. I was very concerned about the safety of myself and my clients. It was it was a big deal for me. However, I, was, I still wanted to make my client experience great. And I didn't want to have to do this like redundant thing every single time, you know? So what I did was, was I created a digital form and I had somebody agree to like all those questions, like before yeah. they walked into my door. So like the morning of their appointment, they would get a link to this digital form and they would fill it out prior to coming into the building. And so when I created the form, I was like, how can I make this like cool? Like <laughs> as a CEO, as a CEO and as a customer experience designer, because that's like what we all are, right? That. That's what we are, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, down, we're the CEO, we're the CMO, we're the CFO, we are the COO, we are the, the, the user experience, customer experience designer, we're everything in our business. And so as that customer experience designer, I was like, how can I use this leverage point? Because that's what we want to create. We want to create leverage. Um, when you have different touch points with our clients, like how can you take that and leverage that touch point as much as possible and like optimize it and make it really cool. Mm -hmm. So instead of just like this boring little form that people fill out every single appointment that like just tells me if they're like healthy or not, I made it something called the experience customization form where somebody can choose a bunch of different personalized options for their experience that they're going to have with me that day, non-confrontationally. So they can tell me what they want to drink before they come in. They can tell me whether they want a silent or more talkative experience. They can tell me um, what music they want to listen to. They can tell me what essential oils they want to, what they want to have as a part of their experience, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm getting to the point with policies, I promise. Oh, I and then I uh, asked them for add-ons. So statistics show, I wish I had the, the statistic up and right in front of me, but statistics show that if somebody has a more personalized experience, they are much more likely to um, uh, opt in for a higher uh, ticket average and uh, add-ons and things like that. And so after they personalize on this form, I ask them non-confrontationally if they want to add anything to their experience that like without having to sell anything, I get extra income just from that question. Mm -hmm. Then they fill out the little COVID thing. And then- it's Like a little sandwich. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then they uh, read and agree and sign my policies every single visit. So this is a every client every single time, right? So when I share like, have your clients sign your policies every single time, everybody's like, Oh, my God, like, that's a little crazy to ask my clients to do this. But when you do it in this way, it makes it so like we were talking about earlier, you have the best of both worlds, you're creating an excellent customer experience, but also supporting your own boundaries at the same time. Mm -hmm. My philosophy when it comes to policies is your policies aren't in place to enforce them. They're in place to prevent the freaking problem from happening in the first place. Right. Like we use them as like these disciplinary 
like uh, guidelines, right? Like that's what we use them as. We use them so we can charge somebody instead of using them to tell our clients and make it clear from the very beginning that there are consequences to your actions. And I'm a firm believer that like when we go on and no, no judgment and no shame to anybody who has done this. But in my, in my experience and my belief is when we go on our social media stories or when we do whatever and we, we complain about how cancellations like hurt us and how much money we lose, what we end up doing is, is we end up ostracizing people. We end up making um, Susie who canceled on you last week, last minute, because her son had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You're making her think that you're talking about her in, and you're, and you're totally not, you might not have that intention. And you're also making new prospective leads who follow you on social. Just be like, like well, this is not, this is not like what I want to see. This is not like making me want to book more. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm a firm believer by having your clients sign and agree to your policies every single time, require that card on file or the deposit, whatever it may be, allowing the client to understand and be communicated to what your boundaries and your parameters are from the very beginning reduces those things in the first place. So you never actually have to enforce them. I love that. That's very wise. Mic drop. And he's like, and drink (laughs) and the long drink (laughs) from Finland. Yeah. From Finland. It's real finish up in here. Um, I love that. I think so many people can relate to that. And I do, I'm a big believer too. It's like, I feel like a lot of times if you bring up things before they go bad, then it's a really lot easier situation. Like, like if you have a client doing, let's say a more intensive peel or a treatment or whatever it may be, there can be side effects or like things that can happen. So I'm always like, before I do it, I'm like, this is what could happen. Not saying it will happen to you, but there is a chance. And like, every time I have a new client in, there's always one freaking person that has like, they say they're not sensitive. And then you do the facial and they're like a cherry tomato. And you're like, what the fuck? You are <laughs> sensitive. And then you're like, Linda, I'm literally when at the end of the facial. I'm like, okay, so you were more sensitive than you said you were. Right. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you do have an allergic reaction, like I literally tell them before they even check out, because I'm like, if you do have an allergic reaction, it will happen within the 24 hours. This will look like, please take a Benadryl. But I'm like, I was like, you're brand new. You've never like, like I almost like set them up for an expectation instead. And not, not Mm -hmm. that they have an allergic reaction, but I'd rather tell them in advance than them all of a sudden get allergic reaction and be like, what the fuck? And like scared, you know, like if you tell them in advance and they're like way more understanding. Absolutely. Like they're like, oh yeah, she did tell me it could happen. So I'm not alarmed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Preemptive. And preemptive, proactive, proactive, that's the word, proactive converse, uh, proactive communication and proactive preparedness is what allows you as a business owner to really thrive and to also make sure that your customers are having an a mutual understanding of respect and actually how to respect you. You can't okay. expect anyone to respect you unless you've shown people or told people how to first. We expect people to understand that we lose money if we don't have a client when in reality, it's like they don't know. And that doesn't mean that we go on our stories and we bitch about it. It means that we just do it in a professional operational way in our day-to-day client experience. Exactly. Yep. Um, So to kind of like loop everything together today, um, Hunter, you offer coaching, you offer um, pre-made templates people can purchase. You also offer a lot of really amazing freebies. So if anybody wanted to like 
sample you out first. Um, can you tell us a little bit more of like the things that you offer other beauty professionals that could be really beneficial for their business? Totally. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very much like a do as I say, not as I do person, because I tell people to be really simplified with what they offer and like not offer too many things if they want to like scale their businesses. And I yeah. offer way too much shit. That's so, okay. uh, I, love I, it. I am the host of the modern hairstylist podcast. So, uh, uh, go listen. Know, it's amazing. Love, we love it. Thank you. Thank and we're you. We're not even hairstylists. No, we love it. No, and <laughs> everything that you say can be easily implemented in any beauty profession. Absolutely. Setting. I, I agree that I agree with that as well. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you guys feel the same way. Um, so yeah, check me out on the Modern Hair Status podcast. Um, if you want to start automating and streamlining your business, I have two free resources for you. One is five ways to automate your beauty business, and I literally show you with templates and step by step tutorial how uh, how to just start automating and streamlining and setting those boundaries in your business for free. And then I have a booking system guide that compares three of the uh, the top like biggest booking systems right now. So you can decide which one is the best for yourself. And then um, I have a course and I have a membership. So my course is called Previsit Pathway. That's where I really show you like how to set up these systems, how to get comfortable with online booking, how to automate things and how to set those boundaries without jeopardizing the professionalism of your business. And I show you how to create a previsit experience that onboards a client in a way where you'll gain respect, but also a long-term paying client who will stick with you through the price increases. And most importantly, help you regain time, freedom, and energy back in your life by setting those boundaries and being held accountable to them. So there's a bunch of ways that you can work with me. You can find me on Instagram. I think that's the best place to actually start probably at hair by Hunty, H-U-N-T-Y. And I will be happy to work with anybody. We've had multiple estheticians and nail techs go through our programs actually and have great experiences. So I, I believe it. I mean, it all they all kind of tie together. I think anybody yes. knows in the beauty industry. It's, totally. It can be a wild, wild west um, out there. <laughs> yeah. And um, they all kind of go hand in hand. Hand, yeah. especially when you run yes. solo. So um, we we're going to have all this information in our details section of yes. this podcast episode. Um, so you can look there, but thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, Hunter, you are a true professional. I think you are brilliant sitting here t- listening to you. I'm just like re-inspired. We're just so grateful for I, your time. Yeah. And I just know so many people are going to listen to this and feel the same. So thank you for being here thank today. You. Thank you both um, so much. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Uh, I was sharing with you guys before this that I was extremely impressed with you guys and your brand and what you guys are doing and your mission and your vibe and like how you're showing up for people. So the feeling is very mutual. Thank you so much for having me here on here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, 